כי עייף, בת הדין הספורק או שבת או סעודה שלישית, and it was really, really amazing. I asked her permission, and she sent it to me. I'm very... I have to read it. I didn't read yes, it. Yes, you have to read it, because I, I, actually I asked from you the, to prepare it at the beginning. I, I mean from you in general, from the class, uh, to see the, the different opinions in regards of having a king, if it's a mitzvah or a shoot, or if it's uh, optional. Okay, so who, let's summarize in a few minutes what we did last week. Last week, we did chapter Yud, chapter 10, and uh, who remembers? Uh, it was the anointment of Shaul, right? Shaul's anointment. And uh, what happened there, besides of Shaul uh, anointing, uh, sorry, Shmuel anointing Shaul with the oil, what does Shmuel tell Shaul? He gave him how many signs? Three signs. Three signs. What were the three signs? His donkeys will be found. First, he will meet people. Oh, yeah. Right. Right? Wonderful. That, uh, that will tell him that his donkeys have been found and that his dad is now more concerned for him than for the donkeys. The second sign was about a group of men and they were, remember? Um, they were carrying yeah. men. Oh, they were carrying. They were having bread, uh, bread and right, right. wine and then they give him as a gift to bread, and Shaul takes them. And the third sign, that was the strongest we, we, we saw, and also there is more detail about it, that Shaul meets a group of Nevi'im, and he kind of goes with them, and he gets himself Nevi'ah, to the point that people would pass, and they would ask the question, Hagam Shaul Nevi'im? What is this? Is Shaul also a Navi? Because they saw him get it, getting Nevoah, Ruach HaKodesh. And that was a very strong sign for a simple person suddenly being able to have Nevoah. Okay? And then we saw that Shaul gathers everybody. We just mentioned your, your Dwar Torah, and Colette already read it, and she said it was amazing. It was really I'm good. reading it now. <laughs> Everybody's going to read it. Don't read it when I'm talking. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it was the recap. I didn't miss it. Yeah. I didn't miss the class yet. I'm joking. I'm joking. So what, what happened? What happened when Shmuel gathers everyone in the Gilgal and they're about... Mm-hmm. Can I just give out some papers if anyone wants to take notes? I, I bought some papers and pencils. Oh, thank you. Wow. So thank this you. is becoming every day more They're coming more official. No, we're trying. We're trying. Oh no, I should have opened this earlier. <laughs> yeah, okay. Next time you're going to get a folder also. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coffee from Starbucks. <laughs> hey, maybe if someone sponsors. <laughs> okay, so what happened when they gather all in the Gilgal and uh, Shmuel tells everybody, here, there is a, the, the king, Shaul, what happened then? He's hiding, He's hiding. in the closet. Uh, they don't find they don't find Shaul. Shaul was Nechbaelakelim. He was kind of hiding out of his uh, extreme anava humility. And the end of the chapter was that everybody was actually most of the people were happy about Shaul, but there were few people. What is the pasuk? You can read for me the pasuk on the last chapter that said 
that people were questioning about Shaul being a king. You can find that pasuk for me. At the end of chapter, chapter 10. They said, how can this person pasuk. save us? How can this person save us? Exactly. Amru, But some scoundrels said, who, how can this fellow save us? So they scorned him and brought him no gift. They kind of uh, despised Shaul. And how did Shaul react? How did he react? Silence. Silence. And Shaul was silent. I don't know if you remember what were our last thoughts about this. So we kind of realize that we, as much as we praise the midah of humility, of anava, Shaul, once he is anointed to be the king of Israel, whenever he hears that some people are, uh, you say, despising, the, the it's like they kind of dis- they're disregarding him, disregarding, disrespecting him. He cannot stay in this place of anava, of personal humility. It's not only about himself. Now he is the king of Israel, so it wasn't right that he didn't react and didn't do anything. You know what? This is very much similar. By Hashem, one day you will be moms, right? Whoever is a mother. We have in the Torah, There is a mitzvah to honor your parents. So imagine uh, one of your children don't, doesn't, doesn't act with respect towards you and you are very humble. You cannot say, it's okay, whatever. You cannot say that you have to act as the mother of the house, an institution that deserves respect, or any other position. Sometimes it's not just how you feel who you are, but it's what you represent. And Shaul, once he has been anointed, he cannot act only based on his personal qualities of anava. He needs to act as a king. Today's chapter, chapter 11, is going to create for us a whole change of mind. We're going to change the way we look at Shaul. And if you ask me, and and I will ask you also after we read the chapter, this is going to be the main theme of the subject, of the chapter. What is the transformation that Shaul goes through? So I'm going to start chapter 11. Vayal Nachash Ha'amoni Vayichan al Yavesh Bilad Vayomeru Kol Anshe Yavesh El Nachash Kerot Lanu Berit Venaabdecha Nachash the Ammonite, Nachash is the king of Ammon, marched up and besieged Yavesh Gilead. All the men of Yavesh Gilead said to Nachash, Make a pact with us and we will serve you. Nachash is the name of the king of Ammon. In Hebrew, Nachash means? Serpent. Serpent. Some say that this is not his real name, but that's the, the uh, how you say, the nickname that he got because of his, his behavior, his mean behavior. Nachash comes to Yavesh Gilad. Okay, where is Yavesh Gilad? Um, I had a book with a map and then I didn't bring that book. Okay, Yavesh Gilad, do you have a map here? I do not, but it does okay. say where it is. Yavesh Gilad, who knows where is Bet She'an in Israel now? Bet She'an in the north. Afula, Bet She'an. Okay, so is the other side of the Jordan, 
in the east, north east of the Jordan, Meber Ayarden, is that side that Bene Israel, which tribes? Urban God and Hasim Asha. Teila tells me to, to draw it. No, I'm afraid to make a mistake. How about you, somebody looks for us in the Google a map of where is Yavesh Gilad? I had it, I, I had the Dat Mikra that brings the map and I didn't bring it for you. So it's in the north, but in the east of the Jordan, under Bechean. And we know in the times of Moshe Rabenu, when uh, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Menashe wanted to stay on that side of the Jordan, they were not very happy. Moshe Rabenu wasn't very happy about that. Also with Yoshua, Yoshua thought that they were building a Mizbech, Abu Dazara wasn't very happy about it. We know that somehow those that stayed in that area were kind of uh, separated. Wow. My assistant found the map. It's in the north, but it's on the other side of the Jordan, east, east side of the Jordan, Yavesh Gilad. Point with your finger, where is it? Here, you see, girls? No, no, but why, why is that important to see? Because most of the tribes of Israel are going to be on the other side. So it shows us that they are kind of um, separated, not, not very much enjoying the, the uh, closeness of the other tribes of Israel. So now, when Nahash Amoni, the Nahash, the king of Ammon, is coming against them, what does it mean, Vayal Nachash Amoni? When he came and the siege is coming to, to war, he's coming to fight, immediately, and Sheyavesh Gilad kind of surrender, and they tell them, make a pact with us, and we will serve you. This kind of pact is not a pact when two parties have equal rights. I give you, you give me. A pact means, just don't kill us, and we're going to do for you whatever you want. We're going to become your servants. So why, how? A group of people are so, uh, giving their lives so easily, putting themselves as slaves, is because they knew how small their chances were against Ammon. Now, whoever studied the book of Shoftim knows that one of the things that happened too often there was the lack of unity among the tribes. They were not always united. Uh, Deborah, Deborah, the judge, Deborah, she complains about it. When she's uh, fighting, I think it was with Ephraim, she co she's complaining why not all the tribes of Israel are coming together to help in this war. So it seems, Yavesh Gilad, I think it belongs to Menashe. I tried to go to Wikipedia. I, I tried very hard to learn more about Yavesh Gilad. What we know about them, and I'm going to speak about it in a minute, is that Yavesh Gilad were very much um, attached to Binyamin, to the tribe of Binyamin. And this goes back to the time of Pilegesh Bagibad. That's where I, I thought, that's why I thought they were associated with that shadow. They are associated with Binyamin in the episode of Pilegesh Bagibad. I'm going to explain and mention for those that don't know. Let's continue and then we'll go there. What is the reaction of the king of Ammon? By the way, do you remember Ammon? We have a history with Ammon. Ammon and Moab are the two nations that when we are coming out of Egypt, they did not offer us bread and water, and Hashem does not allow us 
to accept them and to accept their conversion, לא יבוא המון והמוני, המון ומואבי, המוני ומואבי לא יבוא בקהל השם. Not from המון and not from מואב. So ויאמר הלב נחש המוני, נחש המוני is telling them, בזאת אכלות לכם. You want a pact? This is going to be the pact with you. This is my condition. בנקור לכם כל עין ימין וסמתיה חרפה על כל ישראל. That everyone's right eye be gouged out. I will make this a humiliation for all Israel. ויאמר אליו, I'm going to explain now, ויאמרו אליו זקני יבש, the elders of יבש said to him, הרף לנו שבעת ימים ונשלחה מלאכים בכל גבול ישראל, ואם אין מושיע אותנו ויצאנו אליך. Give us seven days respite so that we may send messengers throughout the territory of Israel. If no one comes to our aid, we will surrender to you. Okay, first of all, what is the reaction of the king of Ammon, of Nachash? He says, I'm going to accept you as my slaves, but only when all of you have one eye less. I'm going to take out your right eye. Now that, the right eye. This was a symbol of slavery to in somehow affect uh, their physical uh, wholeness. We know that um, Shimshon, whenever they wanted to humiliate him, they took out his eyes. We know about Tzidkiyahu, whenever Babel is taking Tzidkiyahu out of Israel, also in a cruet they take out his two eyes. Amon is acting, uh, Nahash is acting here with absolute arrogance and absolute confidence that Bnei Yavesh Gilad have no chance. And, and pay attention, he says here, um, he's gonna be, um, it's gonna be an embarrassment for all of Am Israel. What does it say that? It will be a sign of shame. A sign of shame for all Israel. Why for all Israel? Why for Israel? Because he knows the fact that I'm, that I'm threatening a small group of Am Israel and no one is going to come to the rescue or no one is going to be able to, to save them, that is going to put everybody else uh, to herpa, to shame. Now, um, that's the reason, because you can ask yourselves, the Skenim of Yavesh are asking him, give us seven days, let's see if somebody can save us. Why does he agree? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, what, who would agree? I have you now in my hand. I can kill you all or I can take your eyes now out. Why would I agree to seven more days? Why? So, for arrogance. The arrogance and the confidence that no one is going to save you. So he's going to give me even more, you know, status and more shame for the other, for the rest of Amisel. You know something similar who did something similar? Uh, we will see soon in the few chapters, Goliath. When Goliath is coming and threatening Am Israel, he's embarrassing everyone. He's not, he's not willing to fight with everyone. I want to fight only with one. But the fact that no one dares to fight with me and no one is capable of um, you know, having victory over me is putting everyone else to shame. So what do they do? What do they do, אנשי יבש גלעד? ויבוא המלאכים גבעת שאול, הם פסוק 4, When the messengers came to גבעה of שאול, and gave this report in the hearing of the people, all the people broke into weeping. So they come, where do they come? To גבעת שאול. 
What is Givat Shaul? Who lives in Givat Shaul? Who lives in Givat Shaul? I want to show you the Pasuk. Okay, look at Pasuk 26, the previous chapter. Yes? After Shmuel told everybody Mishpat HaMelucha, וגם שאול, and also שאול, הלך לביתו גבעתה. Went back to his home, to the Giv'ah. Oh, so the name where he lives is now called Giv'at Shaul. Exactly, Giv'at Shaul is the place where Shaul, the king, lives. So now, these people, these messengers, are coming to Giv'at Shaul. We could guess why are they coming to Giv'at Shaul, who are they coming to? To see Shaul. We would think they're coming to see the king. It doesn't appear here. They come. And they speak their things in front of everyone else. And all the people broke into weeping. Everybody was crying. Shaul was just anointed as a king. He doesn't seem to have made any difference on anybody's thoughts. Uh, our, our friends or our, I would say, even relatives, and we will see later why relatives, are threatened by the king of Ammon. They are going to be uh, taken one uh, eye out and there is nothing we can do and everybody is crying for this humiliation that uh, Amisar is going to go through. So now Shaul appears. Shaul Shaul, Why is Shaul? I would do like, how you say this? Uh, in quotations, the king. <laughs> Shaul, the king? Shaul was just coming from the field, driving the cattle. It seems that Shaul is Shaul, as usual. He continued with his life. After the previous chapter, he went back home to so continue. Weird. His ra- yeah, he's still not acting as a king. Shaul was just coming from the field, driving the cattle, and Shaul asked, why are the people crying? And they told him about the situation of the men of Yavesh, and now we're going to see who is Shaul. Until now, it seems, you know what, sometimes when we study Tanakh, we have a problem. Our problem is that we know it's coming next. We really need to make an effort to put ourselves in the place of the characters. So when Shaul has been anointed to be a king, and the people know that Shaul has been anointed to be a king, nobody saw anything special. What did they see about Shaul until now? What did they see? They heard. Mm-hmm. He hid. He hid. But what did they see about him? We saw it. His, 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 his looks. They saw his looks. They, they saw he was tall, that he was handsome, and he was charming. Is that what makes for us a king that is supposed to save us? Okay, he was anointed. Some people, when people rejected him, Benebel Yal rejected Shaul, did you, see, did you hear any reaction from the rest? There is nothing. He was anointed. Okay, whatever. We, uh, like they get used, Amisrael got used to have leaders that sometimes helped us, sometimes didn't help us. So they're still not really putting all their money in Shaul to see if he's going to be the man. But what happens now? Yes. What does it say about like, their relationship to Shaul? That they didn't trust in Shaul? 
It doesn't say it here, but we know that Shmuel and Shaul had a very strong relationship. Soon, Shaul is going to mention Shmuel. Saying, like Shmuel is going to represent him as king. The fact that they're all like rebelling against Shaul, they're kind of also rebelling against. Shaul. No, they are not rebelling. All of them against Shaul. No, no, sorry, not all of them. They're not like, but they're not supporting. Him. No, I don't. Okay, I don't say that they are not supporting him. All of them. I just say that they're still not. They don't know how to how to. They, they don't care, or they care, but they just don't know. Okay, know what it means, yeah. how is the king going to work for us? We never had a king. What That's does what it I was mean? thinking. They don't know what they to expect. They don't know. They don't know what to expect. They don't know how to act. They don't know if one day the king suddenly is going to be, uh, I don't know, having special lights around him. They still don't know. They're going to know soon. Not Shaul and not the people. So we see, exactly, we see these two things. The people that do not approach him. And Shaul also continued on with his life. He went to, to attend his cattle. That's what he did. So what happened? In the moment he feels that there is a situation when everybody is crying, that Anshay Yavesh are in danger, look at Pasuk 6. When he heard these things, the Spirit of God gripped Shaul and his anger blazed up. So, Ruach Elohim, we see here for the first time that that nevuah uh, that he was uh, experimenting in the last chapter is actually acting and affecting the way he is going to act. So he got very upset. He's, he's not just listening it as one more person, he's listening, listening to this as the king of Israel. And he got very angry, and look what he does. He took a yoke of oxen. What does it mean, a yoke of oxen? It's not a yoke of oxen. No. In line it says a pair. A pair. He took a pair. I don't like the translation here. He took a pair of oxen and cut them into pieces. And he sent it to all, he sent by messengers throughout the territory of Israel with the warning. He was warning everyone. This shall be done to the cattle of anyone who does not follow Shaul and Shmuel into battle. Terror for the Lord, from the Lord fell upon the people and they came out as one man. What, that, what does Shaul do? What did you understand? He gets, first of all, he gets angry. And what does he do? He basically gives a threat to the nation. He gives a threat. But it was a very out. ominous one because at the time... Wait, wait. Before we interpret, we have to see what happened. Well, basically, he took two oxen, two cut oxes. them into, like, whatever, six pieces each. Them. He sends it to the nations and to the people and says, if you don't um, follow me, if you, this is what's going to happen to your cattle also. Okay, so before we go to what you, you wanted to say, I will let you say it later... Why does Shaul need to threaten? Why? Because they're afraid. They're afraid. What, what does he want? He wants from all the tribes, he wants from all Israel to gather and come to defend the people of Yavesh Gilad. He does not want them to continue with their lives when there is a group of Israel that are suffering. So he does it through a, through a threat by cutting the pieces of the cutter and telling them, I am doing this with the cutter because I'm showing you that this is what's going to happen to all what you have, don't you think that if you stay... Hmm? Why does he say? Pasuk 7. 
thus shall be done to the cattle of anyone who does not follow Shaul and Shmuel into the field. Now, first of all, pay attention that he's um, partner, partnering with yes. Shmuel. Like reminding everyone, I am a king by Shmuel's anointment, by Shmuel's word. This is something that I'm not bringing it up. Do you remember when Shmuel told Shaul, after these signs happen to you, then you can do as you wish. Then you are a king. Then you have the, the permission, the right to act as a king and all, always by the, the word of the Navi. Also, there is a pasuk that says that. Now, two things that we see in this pasuk. First of all, Shaul is with Shmuel. Second, the fact that Shaul was attending the cattle, he was taking care of the cattle, but now he's doing like a zebach, like a korban, it's also a symbol of, okay, I'm, I'm not anymore the individual that is taking care of the cattle, I'm assuming more a position of the king, of doing something for all of Am Israel. Okay? Okay, but I ask you, why does he have to threaten the people? Why? They don't have faith in him. What else? They wouldn't help. Otherwise. They wouldn't help. Why? Why? Why wouldn't you go to help your brothers? Because they think he can't win. They the think you cannot win? Aren't they angry with the people of Yavash Gilad? There is any history between Yavash Gilad and the people? What else? Forget about who is here playing the game. What does it mean he to has go to, to war? Earn, he has to earn respect from the people, yes. and he has to use like a Machiavellian attitude, like a little bit of fear. Okay. That's in regards to Shaul. but have seen so much yeah, what does it mean to go to war? It's you have to be united as a nation. It's a huge sacrifice. You're going to risk your life. Nobody's going to take care of your land, of your family, of your wife, of your children. Why would I want to go there? I don't feel any connection with Yavesh Gilad there. I'm, I'm totally disconnected, really. How much, how much connection do you feel with the people from Texas? Or how much connection? I actually, you know what? When I was in Israel, or even... Yes, when I was in Israel, and you lived, let's say, in Jerusalem, the, the last years actually changed. But at the beginning, when the rockets were coming only on the road, the people from, from Jerusalem or the people from the Golan did not feel any danger, any threat. You can really feel the disconnect. Yes, Baruch Hashem, everybody acted with a lot of solid, solidar solidarity and they were helping each other. But you don't feel the, the threat of the war. So, okay, I hear the news, I, I turn on the TV and I see that Yavesh Gilad is at war. Oh, I will pray for them. But to leave my house, to leave my family, to leave my land, who is going to plant for me the crop for next year? Who is going to take care of my parnasah? So it's a huge sacrifice. So Shaul needed here, everything that you said is true. First of all, to impose his authority. Second, to make them feel connected, that we are Am Israel. It's not as it used to be until now, that only the tribes that were close to each other cared for each other. We need to come as a nation, all of us at once. So this is what we see that Shaul is doing as a king. He's, he's showing himself as the authority, but also trying to unite all of Am Israel together, in this case, to save Yavesh Gilad. Now, Colette started to say something. What were you saying, Colette? So wasn't the story of Yavesh Gilad about this woman that was raped and then they took her body and they cut it up into pieces and they sent it to all over the nation? Wasn't she from Yavesh Gilad or it was sent from Yav something like that? Like, I don't remember exactly how they were connected to the story. 
Yes. Uh, let me just... The people of Yavash Gilad did it, right? Okay, yes. Uh, who, who studied Shoftim? Who knows what is Bilegesh uh, Bagiva? Okay. So, help me here. In the book of Shoftim, we see from the beginning till the end how the... the you say uh, the morality of the nation is really deteriorating more and more and more. Towards the end of the book, we see Avodah Zarah with Pesel Micha, and we see a man from Shevet Levi was coming to the, to the um, area of Binyamin, and he had with him his wife that was a concubine. So he was asking from them to be and far from that, what, they, what he gets, he gets that the people, Am Israel, okay, I'm speaking about people of Am Israel from Shevet Binyamin, they rape this woman throughout the whole night. It's terrible, but these are things that happen. This is how the book of Shoftim actually ends. So this man, when he sees his concubine that is dead, he cuts the woman into 12 pieces, he sends the pieces to all the tribes of Israel to tell them, did you see what Binyamin did? And then all of Am Israel cannot stand quiet in front of this atrocity and they come to war against Binyamin and they kill from Binyamin, I don't remember the number, thousands and thousands of men from Binyamin die. And they, this is a civil war, this is how the book of Shoftim is kind of ending, and the Pasuk there says, In those days, there is no king in Israel. So it seems to be, it looks like our chapter is kind of showing us now we have a king in Israel, and there is a tikkun to what was done in the case of Pilegesh Bagiva. I don't want to spend more time about that. But, but, I have did, here. but why did Benjamin do that? Just because she was a concubine, they were protesting about that? Or just because they were I did, by morale? Uh, whoever studied Shoftim perhaps can help us here. They, it, that showed the morality of the time. Oh. That, that they didn't care. So, you wanted a woman and she was uh, a concubine, perhaps she was more vulnerable, she was second class, so they, they, they just did whatever they want. So wasn't it ironic that the first king to be chosen was from Sheva Benjamin? Yes. It wasn't that. like a high, no, it was a small tribe, but, but he it, says it's like a shameful, I'm a small family, it's not a good, yes, it comes tribe. from a he small, small tribe of Binyamin. Okay, both stories we see the cutting there, it was the woman, here is the animals. In both stories, the place is Yavesh Gilad and, and, and the Giv'ah. We see the connection between the Giv'ah of Binyamin and Yavesh Gilad. In both stories, it speaks about shame, the shame that was in Israel there and here. The purpose of Nachash is the same. In both stories, we have the mention of the people weeping and crying. They cry there, and all the people went up and came to the house of Hashem and wept, also here. And all the people lifted up their voice and wept. In both places, okay, we see that they are gathering as one man. There was the war against Binyamin. Here is as one man to save the people of, ya of Yavesh Gilad. So he's reminding them, yeah. and it's kind Remember of. How we all got yes, here he's doing a tikkun. 
Now, so before they fought those, before they fought those people, and now they're coming to save them. They're coming to save them. Um, what else? I just don't. But it's such a big deal that they're united. They're united, yes. They're united, and there is. Let me just read for you this. Read for you this. The book of Shoftim. This is from Rav Amnon Bazak. He, he has his shiurim, whoever is interested in virtual Bet Midrash, the shiurim are in Hebrew and in English. The book of Shoftim concludes with a description of the debased state which the, which the people of Israel had reached, which included scenes of idol worship and sexual offenses and bloodshed, the war against Benjamin. The difficult situation is explained by the verse which repeats itself. In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. As part of this terrible situation, we can include the dreadful incident involving the concubine in Giv'ah, the shocking device that her husband was forced to use in order to gather Israel so that they would judge the sinner and the civil war that followed. Our chapter closes the circle, the great hope for a king over Israel, which finds expression in the stories related at the end of Shoftim, is realized in these chapters in the figure of Shaul. Chapter 11 is the most positive one from the perspective of Shaul's kingdom, and it describes the beginning of the fulfillment of the hopes regarding the monarchy. Among other ways, scripture expresses this through the total contrast between the two stories. There is another part of this story that I don't want to go into it because it's really terrible. Is Who remembers Yavesh Gilad and Binyamin? What is the connection? At one point, the, after the, the, the civil war, the people of Binyamin didn't have with whom to marry because all of Israel, they made a vow that no one will marry Binyamin because of the way that they acted. Now, after the war and after they decimated the tribe of Binyamin, Binyamin stayed as a very short, small tribe. They felt bad, they, they regretted. Now we cannot marry Binyamin, what is going to be of them? And they find out somehow that the group of Yavesh Gilad, they did not participate in the war and they did not make this vow of not to marry Binyamin. So what they do is something really terrible. I, I, I need to study it more to understand what happens there. They go and they kill men from Yavesh Gilad so the women, the women from there can marry the, the people of Binyamin. To make the story short, is that Binyamin and Yavesh Gilad have many uh, couples together. They, they end up being related, blood-type relations, like they are really close to each other. That's why Yavesh Gilad, in our chapter, when they are in a difficult situation, who they run to? They run to Binyamin, because they are they are related. But leave it there. I think uh, perhaps we should start the classes on Tanakh studying Yoshua Shoftim, <laughs> and then we would get to Shmuel, and we will understand better. It's just that Shmuel is more, at least to me, is more interesting. That's why we studied, We started from this. So, of course. What does it mean that God passed over Shaul? That what? The spirit of God passed uh, over. Does that mean it left? It means Nebuah. It means nevuah together with courage. Because he was angry. No, no, no. He got angry. No. Sometimes anger is good. He's angry 
about the fact that uh, a tribe of Israel or a city of Israel is angry. No, 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 it's none. Oh, no, the anger came later. The anger came to say, how are we going to allow our brothers to be humiliated in that, in that way? It's a good anger. No, 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 no. No, actually, Shaul is, is here uh, um, showing us that he is with Hashem. Hashem is with him, as we will continue to see now. Okay, let's continue. So who, who was the tribe like Jabesh, Jabesh Gilad? Who, which tribe was that? It, I, I think it belongs to Menashe. The half tribe of Menashe that was together with Gad and Reuven in that side of the Jordan. Okay, so let's continue. So he, 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 he threatened it. Now, by the way, it could have happened that Shaul threatens, he comes and he says, whoever doesn't come to war, this is going to happen to their cattle. Look, I'm cutting it on something. What could have happened? That people don't respect him. Like he's taking a he's taking a risky step here. It could have been that people still don't listen to him. And the Psukim are going to tell us why they do listen to him. Why do they listen to him? Um, so the dread of Hashem fell Exactly. Vaipol Pachad Hashem Alaam. We see the intervention of Hashem in giving Shaul the Nebuah and the courage and in giving the people the Yirah, the Pachad, to listen to Shaul. So how much of this is actually Shaul? Like I think our kings are supposed to be always guided by Hashem. So it's, it's like coming together. Yes, they're going by Dvar Hashem. Yes. Ruach Hashem or Dvar Hashem? Here it was Ruach Hashem. How much of it was? Really? I didn't, I wasn't there. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I don't know. But we see that uh, the Pasuk is telling us that Ruach Hashem, but it's Lachalab Ruach Hashem. By the way, we will see the same words uh, acting on David Amelech, but it's Lachalab Ruach Hashem. But in Shaul, you see that automatic, the Ruach Hashem, and immediately he knows how to act and what to do. So terror from the Lord fell upon the people and they came out as one man. So Shaul mastered them in Bezek, it's a Bezek, sorry, no Bezek. And the Israelites numbered 300,000, being the men of Yehuda, 30,000. Interesting that there is a specific mention to the people of the Shevet of Yehuda, kind of the Pesukim are already telling us from now that the Shevet of Yehuda is going to be special because the next king is coming from Yehuda. But how, much, how many are the people of Yehuda? 10% of all of them. The messengers who had come were told, Thus shall you speak to the men of Yavesh Gilab. Tell the men of Yavesh Gilab, Tomorrow, when the sun grows hot, you shall be saved. When the messengers came and told this to the men of Yavesh Gilad, they rejoiced. We saw that the men came and everybody was crying. Now the men go back and they rejoice. They're happy because they see that they're having Am Israel together coming to save them. The men of Yavesh then told, who did they speak now? To Amon. And they're telling him, okay, tomorrow we will surrender to you and you can do to us whatever you please. So we, we imagine that the seven days have passed and they, it's time for them to come to Amon and they tell them, okay, we're, do whatever you please with us. Of course, this is what? It's a trick. 
they're tricking the people of Ammon. So Ammon don't expect to have a war against them. Vayini mochorat, and the next day, Vayasem Shaul et Am Shloshar Rashim. Shaul divided the troops into three columns. Vayavohu betoch hamachane v'yashmor et aboker, vayaku et Ammon at chomayom, vayia nishalim vayafutu, velo nishalu bam shnaim yachad. As the morning watch, they entered the camp and struck down the Ammonites until the day grew hot. The survivors scattered, not two were left together. So we see here that they use some techniques or some uh, strategies to win Ammon. One is the element of surprise. They come whenever it's still the beginning, beginning of the morning that is dark. Who remembers what happens in Kriyat Suf, when the Egyptians are, are coming after Am Israel, look there, you will find also and it says there, they defeated Ammonites at Homayom until more, more or less noon. Even those that were not killed, they were scattered. I don't know if you remember, in the middle of the book of Bamidvar, the Pasuk that divides the Chumash that says, Moshe. When the Aaron of Hashem is going to go with us to the wars, the Pasuk says there, Hashem, kind of telling us Hashem is coming ahead of us in our war in a way that is going to make our enemies to be scattered, to escape from us. So we can see also like a hint that Hashem is with us in this war against Ammon. So now, look what happened. What is the reaction of the people after the victory? The people then said to Shemuel, Who was it said? Shall Shaul be king over us? Who are those that said, no, Shaul cannot be our king? Bring those people. We're going to kill them because they were kind. Now, those that were quiet, they understand how much they have to defend the honor of the king of Am Israel. Bring those people. We're going to kill them. By the way, that's the law. That's the law. If somebody curses a king or lack of respect to the king, needs to be killed. So who are they speaking to? Who are the people speaking to? Shmuel. To Shmuel. Who is reacting? Look, next pasuk, Shaul. Shaul jumps and he says, Bayomer Shaul, lo yumat ish bayom azeh, ki hayom asa Adonai deshua Israel. Shaul replied, no man shall be put to death this day, for this day the Lord has brought victory to Israel. Bayomer Shmuel el Shamuel said to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal and there inaugurate the monarchy. It happens with this that how many times Shaul has been uh, called or anointed to be a king. This is going to be the third time. So now let's inaugurate the monarchy and it shows us how important it is for a king to be accepted by the people. You can anoint a king as much as you want, but if the people are not accepting him upon them, or if the king has not been able to establish his authority, then he's not a king. 
וילכו כל העם הגלגל, וימליכו שם את שאול לפני אדוני בגלגל, ויזבחו שם זבחים שלמים לפני אדוני, וישמח שם שאול וכל אנשי ישראל עד מאוד. How different this chapter is ending from the previous chapter. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there at Gilgal, they declared Shaul king before Hashem. They offered sacrifices of Shlamim. Who knows what are Korban Shlamim? What Korban usually is Shlamim? Korban Toda. Whenever you are coming to say thank you to Hashem. So, Vayizdachu Shem Zivche Shlamim Lifne Hashem. And who is happy here? וישמח שם שאול וכל אנשי ישראל עד מאוד. שאול, and all the men of Israel held a great celebration there. So, uh, thanks for this opportunity of the war against Ammon to, to defend אנשי גלעד is what actually bring up שאול, not only because he You know, it could have been, imagine how the story could have been different. Imagine Shaul is sitting on his throne already from the beginning, and nobody respects him, nobody pays attention, and they tell him, Shaul, come, uh, we have to fight against Amon, and he goes and he's successful. But it's not only that that Shaul is here to be celebrated. It's not the success of the war, but it's more than that. What would you celebrate about Shaul? What would you celebrate? His initiative. What that initiative involves? He united everyone. He united everyone, but before that, what does it start with? Confidence, the anger, but starts before that with caring for his people. This is, he starts, he, here, he's actually acting as a king of Israel needs to act. Serving the people, caring for the people. And this is what he's doing, and together with his initiative, he's doing that, uh, uniting all of Am Israel, And I think that today we have a better feeling about the first king of Israel, at least until now. It seems that it was a good choice. Shaul is actually acting and behaving according to how Hashem would expect from him. At least until now, we will continue. And Be'ezat Hashem. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give you a homework for next week. I want you to tell me how many more chapters are going to be about Shaul HaMelech, Shaul being a Melech. I have okay. a question. Yes. Really On the margin story. here, it says Haftarat Korach. How is this connected to this parasha of Korach that they would make this the Haftarah? What Shevet is Korach? Levi. Yeah. The Nachash. Hmm? The Nachash. Like trying to overthrow your ruler. The Nachash? Because of the name of Nachash?